Yo fam, stream my new music. Find me on Spotify right now. I know you're already here. K-A-L-I-R-A-A-H. Cali Rock. On Spotify. My personal Spotify for new music. Go subscribe right now. Right now. And then listen to this podcast again. Welcome back to Faith Family Freedom Podcast number five. On this episode, we have Mr. Maurice Miller. Big heart. I'm going to get to it. Um, Where do you find your faith? Well, you know, that goes all the way to me becoming a Christian. And I think uh, me growing up as a young man, because my father left our uh, family when, you know, I was uh, in middle school. And uh, I felt like um, I I felt abandoned. And I really desire, you know, to have a relationship with my dad. And so, um, and then I had a hard time forgiving him, too, because he wasn't there. And it wasn't until I got to college that I went to a funeral and just saw how uh, so many people were saying, you know, nice things about this lady who had just passed. And I said, well, who do I want to say those nice things about for me? And when I thought about it, I just said for, you know, my family and and I just did not want to see another young boy kind of like suffer the way I did. And so I decided that I was going to mentor and try to become a big brother to as many young people as I could. That's deep. That's deep. And so now that that brings it kind of into, you know, our three pillars, faith, family and freedom. We want to be able to develop the faith to believe in ourselves and in humanity as a whole, as well as the, you know, understanding our family and where we fit into that as far as our blood family and our spiritual family that we meet along our path. The people who influence us to do better and become our better selves, as well as find freedom in all aspects, whether that be financial freedom, spiritual freedom, um, any way possible, just defining what freedom is. So it sounds like you found your freedom and your purpose and being able to give back to young men in the community. And can you tell us more about how that's played out now in your adult life, the way you're able to get into the school and the youth groups? Right. Okay. Well, the very first priority I had was to take care of myself. And I realized that I didn't have the power within me to live the life I wanted to live. Because I'm, you know, I'm a sinner, just like anyone else. And so I uh, made a commitment uh, when I first started, uh, you know, ministry and things of that nature. I just made a commitment to be at prayer meeting every Wednesday morning. Because that's when the old folks pray. I say, if I don't pray with anybody, I'm going to pray with them. Because I know that God, you know, they get through to God. And so I use that kind of like as a foundation to help me then to start to live, you know, the type of life I needed to, because I did not want to go in front of young people and be a hypocrite. I really wanted to live the life that I was asking them or pointing them to, to live. And so, you know, I started with, you know, just that basic foundation, you know, I dropped out of college. So I went and got back into college so that, you know, I can complete my education. And so, you know, basically, starting to let go of friends who were not, you know, helping me to reach my true goals. So that, you know, that was kind of like the basic. And then I just uh, understand that when it comes to mentoring 
you can, you know, you should have multiple mentors. It's not one person who can mentor you in every area of your life. So when it came to financing, buying a car, doing those kind of major purchases for me, I went to a person who I respected that would help me, not tell me what I want to hear, but help me to make the best choice in that area of my life when it came to my marriage. You know, I went to people who I respected and say they made their marriage work. Then I need to come up under their toolage to help me to do the things, say the things that I wanted, you know, that would help me to get where they were. Okay, so uh, so I realized that, you know, I see mentorship like, uh, you know, the advertisement for cereal where they say, you know, this is only part of a complete breakfast. Well, I feel like I'm only <laughs> part of what God wants to do in your life. I want to do my part, but I want to be as connected to the other parts so that as many parts as you have around you, then I feel like, you know, there's a wholeness to who you are because you have surrounded yourself with people who want the best for you and will and they were willing to work together to help you to be successful in life in every area of your every area of your life, not just in one particular area of life, being famous. Right, right. So to to recap you said you found mentors specifically um, starting with spiritual-based mentors, though. You said the old folks praying every Wednesday, right? Correct. You, that they, they were grounded in what they were doing. They actually were regular in, the, in their spiritual practice and being disciplined and connecting with God on a regular basis, as well as, you know, blessing their own families and reaching out in that way to Correct. make that connection. So you, you found that specialized knowledge in that category. You found the specialized knowledge in how to get the logistics done of life and found mentors to help you in those areas, as well as then your personal relationship as well. Found some mentors to help you um, coach through the, your relationship building process. Correct. And so in, in mentoring a young person, then I try to establish, you know, where their major needs are and then connect them, you know, along with, you know, me mentoring them but also connecting them to the resources that they need to be successful. And seeking higher learning. That was something I noticed yeah. as well. Well, after you got the mentors, it seems like everyone's encouraging you to get more, more knowledge, more as, as far as more certified knowledge. And that, how did that really play out and help you as far as the educational, you know, degree in that? What was yours? Oh, okay. I, um, you know, I, I started off at Cal State Long Beach as a um, engineer student, but then when I transferred, dropped out of school, and then transferred into Biola, they did not offer engineering, so I ended up changing it to communications, and that's where you know, basically, uh, you know, I got you know, got my degree in, and um, but nevertheless. I, that wasn't the important thing. It's just that my very first year in, in uh, Christian college, I was recruited by a guy named Michael Wilson. He was working in Compton doing an uh, evening Bible study, and he was looking for help. And that's why he was at Viola University. And I volunteered to help him. And I found out, because it, at that time I was a youth pastor at my church, but I found out that this was more fulfilling for me because 
that Bible study was held in the garage on Riverbrook Avenue. And all the kids, now we, we're talking 40 years ago, all the kids were coming in, they were sagging before sagging really was popular. They had braids, you know, cornrows and, and uh, you know, so they really did look like pre-thugs and things of that nature. But, you know, I went in there and all these kids were sitting on the floor in a garage waiting for someone to tell them about Jesus. You know, nobody drove them there or anything. And it was just like, you know, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, you know, here these kids are, you know, making this type of sacrifice to hear God's word. Then uh, uh, why don't you commit to making that happen? And so from there, I started, you know, you know, doing the Bible study. But then I saw, you know, working with them outside of that, you know, meeting as just as important as them being a part of the meeting. So you're getting to know them, finding out, you know, uh, their areas of struggle, their desires, their dreams and things of that nature. And then doing what you can to help them to meet those needs and when it, and, and the good thing about it is that because you build such a relationship in their life in their early formative years, then when they get older, they get married and things of their nature, then they're still calling you because, you know, they know that I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to tell them the truth, whether they want to hear it or not. You know, I'm always upfront and honest, and that's what they appreciate. That's deep. So you you were in college, you know, seeking your own wisdom. What kind of made you make that transition from, you said, Cal State Long Beach to Biola? Because Biola is... Well, you know, I I was like most kids, you know, I started off as an A student at Cal State Long Beach. Then I was a B student, then I was a C student, you know, smoking weed and, you know, partying and all that kind of stuff. I just uh, did not have my priorities right. And then when I dropped out of college and working and things of that nature, uh, I realized that, uh, you know, I wasn't going down the right path. And so I, uh, you know, like I said, went to that funeral and realized that, you know, Christ was, you know, uh, needed to be a priority in my life. And so I made a decision to become a lifelong follower of Jesus. And in that transition, I started to get my life together and got back into college and then uh, got involved in you for Christ, the organization that I met your mom in. Was that like a internship volunteer program for for the students? Well, it started off as a volunteer program, but they really uh, saw potential in me, and so they didn't waste any time uh, trying, you know, trying to hire me in the part time. And then by the time I graduated from uh, Biola, I was a full time. Uh, uh, full-time person at the organization. That was going to be my next question for you because a lot of times, you know, when you hear about like giving back or mentorship, it's always like volunteer this, volunteer that. But how are you able to balance how much time you can volunteer and still be able to sustain, you know, a living and you know provide? Okay, you know, one of the things I realized at college that helped me was you know, I'd volunteer with Youth for Christ, and I was basically given 20 hours a week. I had, I was going to school full time, and I had a job. Okay, and I was working at Thrifties at the time, so I really didn't have time for anything else. 
you know, if Sam wanted to, you know, deal with me, I, he had to make an appointment because I was too busy to do anything but go to school, go to work, and then volunteer with Youth for Christ. And I did that all the way until, you know, they brought me on full time. So, so you know, if you don't if you don't leave room for, you know, things to creep in, you know, they say an idle mind is the devil workshop. Well, it was nothing idle about me during that time in my life. Exactly. So basically, you set a new schedule that made it so anytime, you know, you were approached with an opportunity to get off track, it's like, hey, I'm committed to this new schedule. Right. I don't have time for that. Thank you. You had to make an appointment because my my (laughs) life was already full. So you said you were working a full full course schedule at the school. Uh, yeah, full time student. And then what did you say? Ten to twenty hours. I, I went twenty. I worked twenty hours. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, it was sixty hours a week because twenty hours at one job, twenty hours volunteering, and then school. So I had to, you know, I had to map out how I was going to get all my homework done, how I was going to be ready for a test when it came, because it needs to be scheduled out so that I could stay on top of everything that I was committed to. And of course, I was a young man. I had the energy to do the, all of that. You know? Makes sense, makes sense. So when it comes to how that played out now, because I know recently you've been able to um, launch your own foundation to get back into the schools and things like that. Where did, where did that come along in the process from? Well, after- well you know, I worked for You for Christ and I worked, in the fields, then I uh, basically became executive director in San Jose, where I oversee, you know, uh, multiple staff and hundreds of volunteers. And um, so I was able, you know, to move into that executive role to see from a different position what it would take to make uh, ministry and mentorship work as you know as an executive being able to raise the money to hire people to do the job and so i got that aspect you know under my belt and then i decided you know that i really you know you know wanted to have a black organization because you know i felt like part of me mentoring uh you know young african-american boys was to then have, you know, them be a part of an organization that was fully uh, African-American run. So that the top represented the people, you know, at the bottom, you know, all the way through. Now, you know, now it's multi-ethnic, but at that particular time when I started, that was a need that I felt the kids should have, you know. Well, it's very, it's very important. And like, that's something that we see on at least the new generation can identify with the way we're even portrayed in social media. If you look up, you know, just boys, you'll see, you know, a bunch of pics of like, you know, smiling white boys. But if you put black boys, the first thing you see is our headshots of the few that are things like that. And so we see how there's this image distortion in in media itself. So to have someone in real life, that's being able to, you know, really get into these systems and organizations and reach, um, reach us. I know that for me, the event that you took um, me on in, in Pondo, that was really empowering. 
And so, like, I know there's a lot of young men as well who will get closer connected to God through these kind of events as well as the, how you influence the school to open up um, some some room for you in the schedule to be able to teach them the parts that the school isn't really enforcing as um, curriculum, where right. it's important that it get you, you get in there. So what I want to ask is, like, what do you think were, like, some key critical skills? I hear planning. I hear organization. But, like, how are you able to just overall deal with people, especially when you're focusing on people that are so um, coming from such a hurt place? You know, how do you have the patience for that? Okay, well, you know, there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, they really have to know you care. Okay. And so, and I really do care because I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't. Because, you know, you don't get rich working with young people. So it was a sacrifice for me to, and, you know, even with my mom and my family and stuff like that, you know, you get this degree and then you're going to sit up there and, and work for pennies, kind of. You know, that's how they felt because, I, you know, I, I could make way more money doing other things than I chose, than what I chose to do. So I was committed right there and living sacrificially to, uh, you know, reach young people. And then, you know, being, like I said before, then just really showing that you care about them and so that they can do stupid stuff and you don't really get mad at them, you know, or you might correct them, but you, you do it in love and they know that, you know, that you care. And because of that, then I was able just to build trust. And once you're able to build trust and, and you for Christ had the best kind of motto for that is called earning the right to be heard. Mm. And so, you know, I practice earning the right to be heard, to be able to speak into the lives of the young people that I was mentoring. And so um, that, you know, that's basically was my formula for, you know, just uh, being able to go deep. And then once you go deep, you know, and go an extra mile, then you're able to, you know, kind of like win the trust. And when you got the trust, then you have an ear so that, you know, Young people were doing things, you know, that I asked them to do before they would do what their parents ask, you know, and that happened a lot. But that's only because, you know, and I say the same thing the parents say. That's the thing. I'm saying the exact same thing, but because I'm not the parent, they listen to me. And then the parent trusts me because they know that I'm just reinforcing their values. So sometimes it's just being that outside source that makes the difference. The second source, right. And so, you know, from, from a lot of the trips and the activities that we uh, had available for young people, you know, those were the only places where a lot of parents let their kids participate just because they knew that, you know, we were going to provide a safe, clean environment for their young people to develop in. That's deep. That's deep. How do you um, end up making those connections and being able to like once like that experience of being the executive to then doing it on your own? Like, how did how did that go? What was that picture? Different? Well, you know, I was doing it on my own before I became an executive. OK, so really, when I went back to doing it on my own, I also know the other part, the, you know, the logistical side of making things happen so then I was able to raise the resources to do camping and do some of the other major things that 
I would not have been able to do without that executive experience. So um, that, you know, so that's that. And, you know, and then uh, collaborating with other organizations to, you know, you know, to do dual activities and, uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, make things happen. One of the, <laughs> one of the most popular things that we did when I was uh, working before I became an executive director, we had something that was called um, overtime. And that was back in the days when it only cost $15 to get into Disneyland. And we would buy up all, you know, we had up to a thousand kids from different schools and, and churches. And that's the other thing. I work with youth pastors from different churches and things like that. So when I did an event, the churches were invited to participate in that event because I knew that most youth pastors are, you know, are volunteer. I was full time. So I was able to do things that they couldn't do, like put together functions that they could not put together because, you know, they didn't have enough, you know, kids in their group or, you know, for whatever reason. So whenever I did put a function together, I always did it with youth pastors in mind so that they could participate in whatever activity they had and then take the kids back to to their own church and then talk about the good time they had and then whatever spiritual growth uh, follow-up, they could do it. So being able to, like you said, make that full commitment to be available made the difference in your effectiveness. Choosing to, right, and, to be in right, and willing to collaborate.